0: 10 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM talk here on the My Team Metro. We go into our wrap of the top business stories where we take a look at the latest in the world of money and power. Nolwanj Mtombe is my guest this evening as we take a look at uh, some of these big stories. Nolwanj, good evening to you. Gunjan. I'm good, thank you. Uh, let's maybe start off there with Burger King before we get into uh, the Zondo Commission and uh, maybe some rugby news, if I can say that. Uh, Grand Parade's been trying to, I guess, offload this particular asset, Burger King, uh, for quite a while. And I guess, you know, uh, uh, COVID-19 and even, uh, you know, those value write downs during COVID-19 complicated that process somewhat.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what has happened, we've seen many deals, you know, kind of fall through um, during the COVID environment, because you'll find that you know, a company was planning to expand or sell off some stakes and then the conditions are related to revenue and profits and then COVID comes and it shaves off a whole bunch of profit. So as a buyer, you feel, you know, you should be getting it, you know, paying less for the asset that you want to acquire. And mm. that's the struggle that Grand Parade has had, especially given that, this, you know, gone through a restructured, you know, post- you know, there's been activism where the management was changed and they're now trying to, turn the you know the entity around and one of the final things that they had to do is sell Burger King and some you know other related companies. But unfortunately the Comcom you know turned this down and said no, this is, you know, not in the best interest of, you know, in terms of competition laws. Mm. And now they're you know, they have to find alternatives to it.
0: Yeah, I'm catching some flack on on social media um, for my view, I guess, on how the Competition Commission has read this. I mean, my view is that you can't substitute, uh, you know, transformation for what some are saying is saving an indebted company and saving some of those jobs. Um, You can and should be doing both. I mean, it's just part and parcel of the rules of operating in a country like ours. Yeah.
1: So I think the first thing is to understand the mandate of the Competition Commission. It's mm. not just about promoting efficiency in the economy and ensure that the environment is also competitive, but within the actual Competition Act, they have a mandate also to ensure that they are creating a more, you know, equitable economy um, with opportunities oh. for all all people, especially the increase of ownership amongst the historically disadvantaged persons. So that is part of the role that the ComCom has to consider. So in light of what they need to do, it's not like you can substitute one element for another. Mm, in considering mm. these conditions, they need to think about, you know, will this, how does it affect the country as a whole in terms of the employment dynamics, um, inclusion of historically disadvantaged people, because that is part of the NDP, and they have a role in promoting that and making sure that those goals are met. So, of course, mm. debt is a consideration um, and such things, but... They are not here to assess the debt situation. That's not really their role. Um, their role uh, yeah. is to also consider the overall bigger outreaching and societal issues, which is what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, this is a merger, acquisition type thing. It's right? an acquisition. And, uh, it's an
1: acquisition. Exactly. And, so and
0: whenever an acquisition happens, you know they need to come to the party. And when, what they look at is not just questions yeah. of market dominance, but as you say, you know even questions of equity as well.
1: Yes, definitely. So it's 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 one of the things that needs to be considered, and I think and when you you know when you go to think of acquisitions, I mean, I don't it's not really the competition commissions you know you know won't always be the overarching decision whether Mm. if this if this doesn't happen the company is going to go bust. I mean, you know that's something that they need to figure out before they come to a comcom. So it's not 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 their mandate to save companies. They need to assess The outcomes and will they promote and sustain the the, mm-hmm. the what purpose of the actors to to promote?
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, one gets a sense. I mean, this is not just you know by fiat, right? The, there's a sense that there is some dialogue and negotiation that can happen here. I mean, uh, you know, there's been a commitment around capital expenditures, around procurement, uh, you know, around uh, employment, uh, expanding the footprint of Burger King. So, so there's always that, uh, rather than I guess uh, what some people are suggesting that. There's a decision or a decree to say, you know what, this is not gonna happen and that's the end of the story.
1: So if you look at all the different entrants in South Africa trying to buy South African assets, the list of, of requirements that need to be met is yeah. very long. From moratorium on retrenchments, for example, to you mm. know, a commitment to procurement from, you know, black black companies. So it's very wide reaching in terms of the the, the different provisions that will go through to the Comcom. So it's not this one thing about you know whether or not the ownership is there, It's other things as well. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's looked at holistically in terms of all those factors, and you know it's not maybe getting two out of five right. Maybe you need to make at least four out of five. You know, sure. it depends on the situation. But it's a multiple of factors, and I think they take the view finally in terms of you know balance of all these things. Do we get you know the, do we meet the minimum requirements of promoting efficiency, increasing ownership? Mm-hmm and you know, and, and more inclusive economy after all of these things are taken into account. And that is quite clear. Yeah. You'll probably find that that reduction in stake from 68% to 5% was offset any other of the elements that they were bringing to the table, which were seen as mm. transformational.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's take a look at uh, the issues that came about um, during the testimony of Gary Peter um, sometime yesterday. And he used to be the former chief financial officer at... Um, uh, a translator. quite an interesting character. I mean, I, I remember interviewing him for some work, um, you know, around that time, and he was uh, sort of quite a quite an interesting fellow, I must say. But um, just some of the things that he's spoken about regarding Salim Essa, and uh, you know how he was treated in the Gupta compound. Um, uh, I guess d- does it in any way overshadow some of the sort of weight of allegations that uh, rest against him? Do you know if you? Uh,
1: if you are in a position where you have to defend yourself about being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, when there's smoke, there's fire, and he was also there he, by
0: the crooked place. Yeah,
1: exactly. Still at the wrong place, and that's the thing. I mean, if maybe we were talking about having it, having this meeting in Rosebank, um, <laughs> you know, in public, then maybe we could, you know, maybe you know, take it all with a pinch of salt. But unfortunately, there's so many allegations that have come to the fore regarding um, what's happened at at said compound. Mm. And none of them are of a, nothing has been positive, right? When did we come out there saying the story about, you know, maybe there was some good donations and charitable causes or something positive, you know, positive. There hasn't been. So in the absence of evidence and it's, you know, hearsay for all of these things, um, you know, you can easily deny all these allegations. But in the the day, you were there where Mm. so many of the allegations were made in terms of what has been happening. Um, And
0: big decisions, you know, I mean, if you think about what happened in that decade uh, at Transnet, I mean, the the procurement of uh, thousands of, you know, a fleet of rolling stock and these were people at the helm. And, you you know, you ask big questions around uh, in an organization of that size. um, One might argue nothing goes past. You know, a CFO, no big payments go past the CFO.
1: But also these meetings are not held, held at compounds.
0: This is the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: the thing, right? I, I, it's the wrong I, place. I, I, I. Like I said, if it was a business meeting somewhere in <sighs> the boardroom, but that's the first thing. And then for me, it's like, okay, what board do we need to discuss if we're really in the wrong place? Like, you know, if there's an integrity, then you know better.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. Now, no, all not I'd a say, very
1: easy one. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying
0: it's a tough one. Let, yeah, let me explain yeah. what I mean by that. I mean, I yeah. think it's still a tough one for, for an entity like Transnet to recover mm-hmm. uh, from much of what has happened. And you would know, I mean, many mining uh, you know, operations in places like the Northern Cape heavily reliant on you know the fleet of Transnet. And, and they continue to battle mm-hmm. and have some challenges. And I think we've also heard... You know uh, issues uh, with regard to the other elements of of, of transnet as well, port infrastructure and all of that. Um, so I think there's a, a very difficult and a tough reconstruction phase ahead. Uh, but it's always, I guess, you know, a good thing to know what has happened in the past so that you know how deep the rot is.
1: Indeed, and then that's what we know. We keep learning more about for okay. every single day. For so I don't know how many years now we've been at it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you ITP, know. Laman.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: uh, uh, no, no, no. I think now it must end. We're <laughs> yes, being no, at it. <laughs> We're being at it. No, Liza. Before yeah. I let you go, let me put you on the spot on this one. I found this one interesting in light of what had happened in the football space as well, where you know, um, I guess supporters as emotional stakeholders of some of these teams, and in the case of the New Zealand rugby team, former players as custodians of this uh, over a hundred and thirty-year-old brand. Um, Let's talk about this. Private equity now is looking, uh, Silver Lake, a private equity player, looking to uh, take a 12.5% stake in the commercial operations um, in what many people might say is the best rugby-playing country in the world. Um, and uh, it doesn't seem, of course, that uh, the rugby business has been making a lot of money there.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine that this kind of environment um, where you know, the revenues aren't coming in, um, from, you know, people obviously can't go to stadiums and, you know, the coffers are getting empty as far as sports mm-hmm. environment and environments and I'm sure if even sponsors are, are cutting their budget. It's very tempting now to kind of, you know, realize assets and find other ways to, you know, get commercial revenue, especially if you have potential investors who have the, the money, you know, as PE, mm-hmm. PE companies typically will but you know this is the problem with sports right it's not like a buying a a business that can still keep chugging you know it does it is contingent on the team and the players so yes. it it is and if you have an outcry from the team then it's, it's a major deal I and mean, you commercializing and also the thing is it's a national team it yeah, it's a national different it's a different story mm. we've seen it in football i mean you know Companies, everyone, and you have Dubai, the Emirates yeah. buying up after all these, um, you know, um, English teams. So, but unfortunately, this is very different. It's a national team, mm. and and I understand the temptation to do it at this time, given that there's you know, revenue pressures. But I think longer term, I think the national pride that comes with being a national team and yeah. um, coming through that it will impact the players and the mentality mm. and. And it's not something that we've seen before. When you change ownership, you know, you know, teams can go into a funk. Sure. that's obviously gonna have also ramifications yeah. for that. So I'm mm. I'm not convinced that it's the right move. Um sure. and I'm not sure if other countries have done uh, there's many examples of such things.
0: I've never but seen it, something like this one.
1: You know, I've never also come across it, but it's especially since it's now it's a national team. So since mm. when did our national teams become up for sale?
0: I mean. I mean. Mm.
1: And it's the best mm. team, right? So you least think that if the they're having a
0: hard time. Like <laughs> imagine SA. <laughs> yeah. I, I see let's leave this one Nolan before uh, you know South Africans kill me because they'll say, Well, who are the world champions? Yes, we know this person. <laughs> oh.
1: <world champion>, but <laughs> consistently <put> <laughs>
0: consistently. Yeah, the All blacks. Noranja. As always a pleasure, Suswam. So, so let's leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Noluan Jamtombeni is a market analyst helping us there with our wrap of the top business stories. We take a brief break now. When we come back, the CEO of Avis Budget, Ramasalakanda Kanda, is my guest.